This is a public service announcement. The world's about to end. You have 45 minutes. Welcome to... If the world was ending, you come over, right? I'm Molly. And I'm Jamie. And you're sick. And I'm tired. <laughs> I am. I need everyone to know how sick I am. Oh, what's yeah. what's up? It's just a cold. <laughs> it's just a cold. <laughs> yeah, but but it feels like a big cold. Okay, so what's what's going on? Tell us your symptoms. So I've got the whole the blocked nose. Yesterday I had a horrible sore throat, mm-hmm. um, headache, mm-hmm. um, snotty, McGrotty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um my hearing is really blocked. So pretending I'm NHS one one one, I'm on the phone to you right now, and I'd be like, "Okay, I'm hearing ears blocked," and I'm like, "Okay, so I've been swimming a lot recently, <laughs> and I've been getting water in my ears, and uh, it's getting stuck in there for hours and hours." So my recommendation for blocked ears is mm. filling that head from side to side, up, down, round and round, northeast, southwest. Um, <laughs> Because I was doing it for like literally three hours the other day, and I was like, "This this thing's never coming out. It's sloshing around. I've got the ocean in my ears, and uh, it just all popped out. One fling just got it all all right, and uh, yeah, wow. it, was, it was amazing. So, um, <laughs> if you want that amazing feeling, just yeah, whip your hair back and forth. <laughs> well, hey. I'm sick, but you're tired, right? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I am tired. Less so now, but um, <laughs> we've been saving our catch-ups for these podcasts now, right? Because that's yeah. what podcasters do. They they don't catch them in between. It's the famous podcasting trick. <laughs> um, so we've had a little bit of a bed fiasco, shall we say. Um, because, you know, we've got a new bed, um, but I would say to listeners, never order a bed online, okay? Okay. Try before you buy, you know? So we, we've had so many beds through, so many mattresses. Like, they're too lumpy, too clumpy, too springy. We're, we're full Goldilocks and the three bears up in here. And um, <laughs> so the latest one, there's been the same person coming to pick the mattresses up every time. And... Um, he was just this time he was like don't message me again oh no and i was like <laughs> i'm not the one that makes the decisions thinking he was joking no smile what? no he wasn't no joking. smile um so we've stuck with this one and we've got like a underboard and like now a topper as well and i think we're, we're just right the porridge is the right temp the right consistency um so so we're all good. So, so PSA, you... test beds and stores. And are you sleeping better? Yes. Yes, I think so. But the real question is, are you less tired? <laughs> <laughs> well, tired culture prevails. We're always going to be talking about how tired we are. It's the life we live in. We have about 20 million side hustles. So it's just <laughs> how the cookie crumbles, really, isn't it? Hey, speaking of side hustles, shall we introduce today's guest? <laughs> yeah, let's go. I feel like this is um, this is going to be a journey for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, okay, so today's guest, super exciting one. 
Um, drum roll, please, Molly. <laughs> Our today's guest is Rob Sheehan. Um, so he's an Irish actor. You probably know already. He played the lovable Nathan uh, in Misfits back in 2009. Uh, more recently, he's played Klaus in Netflix's The Umbrella Academy, and he's also written a book of short stories called Disappearing Act. And Rob's final 45 minutes take place in the pub. <laughs> to the pub! <laughs> to the pub! Ah, oh, Molly and Jamie, it's so, so charming to see you all of a sudden. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, thank you. I'm in Bulgaria at the moment, making a, a fantasy action film called Red Sonia, which is based on a comic book from which has been going since like the 70s. You know, we've been there here in Sofia too, which is a great going out clubbing kind of city. It's, it's, full, of, it's full of cool little speakeasy secret bars everywhere. Love that. That's sort of at some point was someone's house in the in the communist era and then the whole thing shifted and turned upside down and then so there's loads of these kind of houses even like terraced houses that have been converted into cool pubs and funky restaurants and stuff with seashells hanging off the ceiling it's very cool that's really cool well speak, speaking of bars that's not far off your setup Ah! Hey! (laughs) (laughs) We've been practicing those. Um, So, Rob, for the end of the world, we've Mm. decided that your setup is going to be in a in an Irish pub, but in Ireland. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I thought to myself, where in the world am I the most happy? (laughs) Where have I experienced the most sort of connection, joy, (laughs) loss of self? lively focused chat I thought yeah it's sort of in a bustly pub surrounded by pals and my dear beloved and family members and all that business and there's some live music playing in the corner and everyone's drinking pints and having a great laugh and uh yeah that's the kind of uh that's the kind of world like Mm. I remember uh reading a thing of Peter O'Toole saying that my he said like my optimal happiness so is like drifting from one smoky bar to the next well I wouldn't go that far because I have to agree wholeheartedly with the smoking ban but at the same time like you just cannot beat the vibe of a fantastic bustly wicked pub yeah do you have a, a pub in mind is there a pub in Ireland Whereabouts in Ireland are we? Um, we're probably in Dublin, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're probably in Dublin. But then again, I don't know, because there's a there's a fantastic pub down in West Cork as well called Levis's, which is, again, sort of really cracking, great vibes, loads of live music, loads of creative people drifting in and out. Yeah, let's go with that. Why not? We're in Cork, right? Cork. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're in court. Down in the stick. So, like, what does it look like? What's around you? How big is it? Who's there? Loads of bric-a-brac. Meaning, you know, objet d'art to the the rest of the world. And uh, still behind the counter, they're selling all bits and pieces that are like, uh, that that you'd get in the grocery shop. Do you know what I mean? So, like, back in the day, the pub used to be 
where you got your tea bags and your tin of beans and your mustard, as well as where you drank a pint of Guinness. You know, oh, I know some... that happened in lockdown as well. Like lots of like cafes would double as grocery stores or something, or like vice versa. I feel like that's a gentrified thing, though. Like coffee shops are now like marketplace where uh... like you can buy a succulent or whatever. Whereas <laughs> it's a bit more like I don't yeah. know. Local. It's because it's because as well supermarkets yeah. have become so unpleasant to go into. Yeah, true. true. <laughs> Like who what who wants to go into a Tesco? A Tesco yeah. is a very, very despairing and miserable place to go in. Like Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe maybe let's say we're in the pub. So there is some food behind the counter. You probably yeah, got there's a few, yeah, a few packs yeah. of crisps, a few yeah. packs of peanuts. So, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing. Pork scratchings, yeah, and some nice posh sort of um, kettle cooked salt yeah. and vinegar. Oh, is, it, is it quite a posh pub? Would you say it has a it has a, a, a vein of poshness? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All all are welcome. So, there, but there's no like smell of like alcohol in the air or like alcohol in urine. Yeah. <laughs> there's no urine, but there's a very 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 mild tint of of old alcohol being sunk into the floorboards okay. and also into the upholstered stools i find that quite a reassuring smell yeah i mean you're not going to get that out are you? no if you're an old pub you, yeah, yeah i think it's yeah. Quite, there's something about it that's just you're like oh i know where i am i mm. know what this environment is yeah you and know? you know what I, it's my childhood this is what this is to, for me to be honest with you when i was like eight nine years old i used to go out to pubs with my parents playing music you know with groups of uh, uh, like musicians. So like every Monday night when I was nine, this is insane, really. <laughs> there was a pub. Actually, let's sw- let's switch it temporarily to this pub, which no longer exists, called oh. Turley's Pub. Okay. And it was it's in Vickerstown. But it was just, it was fantastic because every Monday night, the place was absolutely hopping to the rafters. And it was the same kind of clientele who come in week after week and the same people would sing the same songs. But it was beautiful, you know, it was just this glorious community connection thing where mm-hmm. um, everybody knew each other and, you know, you know, same kind of musicians le- leading the, the troupe. Mm-hmm. And so it was us and my father's goddaughter, Sharon, and her sisters, Helena and Suzanne, they used to go out and play music. And then there's this other sort of a part of the kind of young bracket, this fellow called Jody Cattle. And then all the elder crowd, you know, and they'd be playing like double basses and banjos and guitars. And there was one fellow called Billy Cushion who'd be hammering away on an old fiddle and he was 90 or something. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. It was really, really lovely. And I just, I'm very grateful, I suppose, to have had that at a young stage of life because that's all been done away with now yeah it's a strange time in ireland where there's obviously still plenty drinking culture going on and probably the pandemic intensified it a little bit but it's been subject to european rules to the point where i don't know you know it's it's the the kind of heart's been beaten out of it to to some degree Mm -hmm. compared to what i had as a kid which was you know, heading out, everybody driving to the country pub, which presented its own danger, in fairness, you know, and then driving home afterwards. 
Um, but there were designated drivers some of the time, you know, right? <laughs> and uh, but it was just, yeah, it was just, it was just a brilliant environment. It was a brilliant atmosphere, being a kind of fully inculcated, absorbed into, you know, you're hanging around with people who are three years older than you and fifty years older than you, you know. Yeah, it felt like that aspect of community life has been, I suppose, impacted massively by modernity, you know. Mm. Like I was listening to, you know, Joe Frank, if you're podcast fans, which you clearly are, you should check out Joe Frank. He was a radio guy from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and he died, I think, in 2015 or 2018. But he made these beautiful radio pieces. And he, he used to essentially write like mini novels and then perform them on radio. And he was talking about, a, he did one no novel called Another Country. And he's speaking from the perspective of a Yemeni woman called Naeem and how much she, she's caught between how, how much she despises how women are treated in the Yemen. But then she comes to America and she hates the lack of family, the lack of connection, the lack of community, the fact that this country has everything in a material sense and a, a sort of a freedom sense, but everybody is separate from each other in these kind of domiciles, you know, these like boxes that are shrinking as the world gets more and more technological and that's the aspect that's for me the true apocalypse is that yeah. human connection has been massively corroded i think by by the fact that we have better communication and better travel technologically speaking yeah so we have greater reach in our lives which means we can go and live in further places and then fall back on the likes of this wonderful technology, which it is, but at the same time, it's a weak substitute for mm -hmm. the kind of explosive mm -hmm. communion when you get everybody, you know, in one place, all at the same time, locals singing songs together. So that's where I'd go back to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's the, the bones of it, really. It's, it reminds me, the only place I've experienced something similar to that was in Nashville. I don't know if you've ever been, but like the sort of the um, kind of country, but also like bluegrass, particularly bluegrass, that vibe where everyone just kind of, and they're a bit touristy, but but that thing of everyone just sits down and then suddenly like 20 people stand up and they all start playing instruments and they maybe never played before. And they're just sort of jamming and it's, everyone's just, I don't know, it kind of knows what's happening and it just feels really, I mean, I was there as a tourist, but yeah, it felt like a community that was going on, but it doesn't. It's not quite the same, but I can really feel it as you're yeah. talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Nashville's famous for that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, wicked. Was that your your first experience of performing in, in those pubs? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. And I was terrified. I was real shy, you know, if they ever asked me to do anything solo. I'd be, oh, 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 I couldn't possibly. <laughs> that has change to the to, that's done a 180 in my life now I, if you you know you don't have to ask me to sing a song twice <laughs> but um ah yeah fuck, you know but uh, yeah it was it was the first time that i ever really performed anything and then uh, yeah i guess like very formative. the first time you experienced that like on stage buzz that you get like performing for people and like yeah. action with the audience and things that was where I caught the bug. The bug. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All comes full circle. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking <laughs> soft drinks and eating crisps with eyes streaming from cigarette smoke. 
<laughs> playing the sort of Bowron Irish drum or tin whistle going, this is brilliant. <laughs> Would you be singing in the pub? Yes. Maybe so. Maybe that's what's happening. Everyone's singing, having a good old sing along, mm, and then yeah. suddenly everyone's phone beeps with this message that says the world is going to end in forty-five minutes. And then the best singer in the pub starts singing the night visiting song that was made famous by Luke Kelly and the Dubliners. That goes, "I must away now. I can no longer tarry." This morning's tempest, I have to cross. I must be guided without a stumble into the arms I love the most. And he recorded that song, which is about death, uh, about, I don't know what it was, maybe a few weeks before passing away himself sort of wow. suddenly and it's just honestly one of the most poignant and beautiful when you hear someone sing a song like that well in a pub it's just oh, christ it puts yeah. the hair standing on the back of your neck you know yeah you can feel the the, the silence from everyone else in the room it's heavy when yeah you hear yeah something like strong vocals over there. it reminds me of that scene in you know the film pride Mm. When do you have you seen Pride? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, it's incredible about the the minor strikes. Um, LGSM, LGSM, and the minor strikes, and and it's just this incredible group of um, of LGBTQ plus people who came together to support the miners, even though those two communities don't seem like they would really mm. work together. And it was just it's anyway, it's my favorite film in the whole world. And um, in that scene where they're all like in a working men's club, and then. It goes really silent and someone starts singing because it's that they're in Wales and so they start singing like a Welsh oh, yeah. um, kind of workers mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. And, oh, like, as you were singing then, I actually it's weird. I thought you were about to sing that one. Like it had the exact same tone. And yeah. Then, yeah, I don't know. It's, it was, uh, it was my, it's, oh, I love to That's our culture, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's all yeah. our culture. And um, oh, do you know what? I was in London recently. I was in a just a sort of a regular cafe where you get eggs, beans and chips. And we got chatting to this Congolese man who was sat across from us. And he said in the Congo, he was educated in French and Latin because it was a Belgian, former Belgian kind yeah. of territory. And he said he always remembered this song that he was taught in Latin where the, the Roman soldiers used to sing it while marching. And it was about the Virgin Mary. So it was after the Roman Empire had accepted Christianity and accepted all the songs and accepted it as part of their culture. And I go, oh, go on, sing us some of it. Would you please sing us some of it? And he started singing and he ended up singing the whole song and everybody sitting in the cafe, everybody behind the deli counter, everybody in the kitchen stopped doing what they were doing and just suddenly was kind of snapped out of their offhand reality and just sort of stood there and listened to him. And it was just immensely fucking beautiful because because wow. it was out of context too you, yeah. know, you just never you just don't get that and, no. and you wouldn't expect something like that to happen in london either i feel like yeah people I, i'm surprised that people stop to pause in that moment because mm. that feels like a very anti-london thing to do <laughs> where we're all moving somewhere constantly we can't stop mm. yeah uh, yeah and london is particular mm. particularly um bad <laughs> <laughs> and I come from I come from a smaller town, so like 
it's probably necessary in London, but people are so profoundly unavailable to each other. Mm. <laughs> yeah. a, as, as my friend Rose calls it, it's such a studied indifference in public yeah. from one another that that did start to corrode my soul a little bit. And I thought, yeah, I'm either too, I'm too needy for London. <laughs> You know, I, I don't, I, I'm not the right kind of person. I can't, I can't live with that all the time. I, I learned something and I lived in London for a long time, loved it for many years, but I realized that I need, I, I, I cannot live in a place where people pretend that they, each other, where they don't really exist. It just feels so deeply alien to me, you know? Yeah. But it is necessary. It is. It seems seemingly necessary in London because it is what it is. There's mm. squillion people <laughs> all packed into. And I think a lot of the, the atmosphere of London has to do with the tube because the tube literally underpins the city. Yeah. And it was built in the Victorian era where the space granted to the, to the passengers is very, very, very small compared mm -hmm. to something that they build today. Yeah. And so it sort of intensifies this we're in public, but we're not together feeling, you know, mm. on the tube, particularly on the tube, I think, because the tube is like and then the tube atmosphere sort of permeates uh, above ground, yeah. you know. I've never thought about it like that. Yeah. But it, there is something so strange about people not reacting to things on the tube. They've got their headphones yeah. in. Someone falls over or someone drops something on the floor and yeah. that, that person's face doesn't even move. And it's mm. just like... That, and I think you're right, that's London generally, isn't yeah. it? Like you rarely see people stopping or knowing how to respond to the kinds of things that happen mm. just mm. out and about every day. And yeah, it, it gives you that feeling of like complete disconnect because you're just like, are we all experiencing the same thing? Or like, am I seeing something that you're just not seeing or that you're not feeling? Mm, or I don't know. Yeah, this, yeah it's been socially calcified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I spent, I spent too much energy in London trying to break through that ice. With yeah. People. You, you know? kind of have to accept it. I think if in London, you have to go with that and you have to be able to be part of it, which I think is quite soul-destroying. Yeah, I feel like when people move to London, they're like, I'm not going to be that person. I'm not going to be the miserable person on the tube. Like flash Everyone forward a few weeks, up. you're seven a.m. on the like. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you're complying, aren't you? You're you're yeah. complying with the with the rules of the environment. Yeah. Especially, you have no choice. Mm. Have you moved out of London now? Do you live elsewhere? Yeah. 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 At the moment, I live in Sofia, Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm in the process. Hopefully, knock wood, it goes through. But I'm in the process of buying a little place in Ireland. Moment, oh lovely really. that's yeah cross yeah. your fingers for me everyone who's everything is crossed this. so well look let's let's go back to our pub in ireland oh yeah let's see see what you would do next well as the as the the, the bomb got, got closer and closer and closer to the pub it's a meteor. So <laughs> i think i'd have to i'd have to grab the hand of my beloved run upstairs to the to the B and B guest room and make fiery love until we both exploded. You know what I mean? For the whole forty-five minutes. You know, I think we could probably get everything done in fifteen to twenty. <laughs> <laughs> we could a half hour pint, have the crack, and then let's go <laughs> and have some glorious love making mm. for essentially getting 
fused together in a giant nuclear blob. <laughs> it's, that's quite beautiful. I, I, I think that is beautiful. Because you get a bit of the like community vibe before and then you get the one-on-one vibe with your loved one. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and then you're kind of, you know, let's be honest, if, if the lovemaking has been successful, you don't care whether you live or die for the next, like, <laughs> the next five, ten minutes. It's going to be a beautiful pacifier, a beautiful, se- sexy sedative. For, to kind of, so if, if it hasn't been successful, what does that mean? Yeah. It means one of you have ejaculated and the other one hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's an explosion at the end, either way. Yeah, yeah. One of you is satisfied and the other one is deeply, deeply unsatisfied and frustrated. You're like, don't let me go out like this! <laughs> vision of the end the pub is doing that what i mean oh how many rooms are there is that is everyone just sort of grabbing someone or do you think there are people who are i don't know taking a different room there's i think there's people um there's people cry there's people crying but tears of joy there's groups huddled there's snugs you know you know a snug when i say little little sort of charming partitions but not in an exclusive way, just sort of, and there's music and there's people arm in arm singing, there's pints being spilled. And um, I think there's a lot of hugs, there's mm. a lot of goodbyes. But again, I think, what do you do? 45 minutes, I mean, you know, there's not much, there's not much time for sentimentality, really. Mm. I think that's the nice thing about that question, mm. is that there's not enough time to lapse into kind of, awkward sentimentality yeah the sort of the awkwardness of a prolonged goodbye yeah there's just let's just have the crack be with each other experience a loss of self deep connection and uh you know get a little bit drunk (laughs) (laughs) just a little bit just a, yeah, just a, just a small bit, not like falling asleep on your stool but just yeah two or three pints you know yeah and I, I, I've heard you say actually in a few interviews when complete that you uh, that Irish people had the best crack. And so is that why <laughs> you chose uh, a pub in Ireland? Is there yeah. anyone in there who like <laughs> doesn't have on par crack? <laughs> well, you know, people in there, yeah, being awful <laughs> and unemotional. <laughs> Well, that's it, you know, I mean, when given one choice, you know, you'd have to kind of, I suppose like any tribe, after being away for long enough, the heart yearns for that kind of social tempo, you know. Mm. Yeah. The, the, the sort of just the sheer nonsensical madness of communication between a group of Irish people that goes at like, you know, my girlfriend's Canadian, she says she, she struggles to even comprehend what's going on you know if there's four or five people in a circle going <laughs> laughing and shouting and hollering when i was a kid i used to watch my my mother and her sisters and a couple of her nieces and stuff and they'd all commune down in cork actually where she's from and you'd what like they would 
be talking at 300 miles an hour <laughs> and all roar and laugh and tears rolling down their faces and snorting and, and you realize that they were each other's key players you know because they all they grew up on a farm rural proper like so they they had each other and they knew what was funny to each other do you know that kind of thing and so i think humans are not uh, not unlike salmon in the sense that they kind of go off out into the world rebel and reject it all and then ultimately later on kind of embrace some degree of their roots you know some mm. degree of familiarity so what do i do if my roots are london <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so it's so what you got you know oh. <laughs> what about you jamie are you also from london uh, no, I'm from... Guess where he's from. This is my favourite game. Because <laughs> you've got a fairly standardised kind of English accent, so it's hard. You're probably from the south of England. <laughs> Wales? I, yeah. I do get Welsh. Uh, I'm from Newcastle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Who so, did you reference from Newcastle? Yeah. Cheryl Cole. Oh, Cheryl Cole. <laughs> of course. <laughs> the, the disgraced angel of the north. <laughs> Obviously, the Newcastle Tesco plays Cheryl Cole around the clock. <laughs> it's not, it's not a regional anthem. <laughs> yeah. um, like, it was interesting what you are saying before about, like, religious communities and local communities. And I feel like um, as part of, like, LGBT plus community, we create safe spaces for each other. Yeah. But then at the same time, we also... <laughs> are very exclusionary for people, who, for maybe people who aren't like the same mm. as us. And yeah. so it's kind of that interesting thing of not being like, looking for community, but not looking for everyone. And yeah. like always kind of kicking down. And I think that's yeah. been yeah. like a constant pattern. I think that's as a result of adversity as well, Jamie, isn't it? Like when you're yeah. a group who's been oppressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a reaction, I think, to kind of... It's interesting because together in strength. Yeah, I, I often think this about, you know, groups that are oppressed or marginalized or racialized that still have those tendencies within them, right? And it's really common. Mm. And it's really I find it really strange because you think, but like we actually have more that we share. There's more of a shared experience of mm. oppression, basically white supremacy mm. in, in its many forms is like the experience that unites all of us. And yeah, it also is very successful at dividing us when it, we could not be mm. um and there's a really i'm just gonna shout it out because i'm i think it's the best thing i've ever read there's a really amazing essay by james baldwin called the harlem ghetto mm. it's really fascinating and it's about um post second world war when you had um a lot of jews moving into harlem in the us and then you also had the black community who were already living there and so what happened is that a lot of the white jews took on anti-blackness and a lot of the, the black community took on anti-Semitism and they were both doing it in order to assimilate to white supremacy, right? Mm -hmm. So like white America hated Jews and it hated black people. And so each of those communities kind of took on mm -hmm. those, like that kind of hatred in order to assimilate. Yeah, yeah. And, right and the Irish too. And the Irish, no, yeah, yeah, no pass, no, yeah. Jews, no Irish, no dogs. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. all of those kinds of, Yeah, it's, and it is really interesting. And I found that such a kind of poignant, understanding of the world and it's something like I think just Baldwin obviously articulates everything so amazingly and yeah would recommend everyone yeah. to read that it's, it's really powerful 
yeah. I remember mm. you telling me when you yeah. did that. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. I should say shout out to my friend Will who introduced me to that. <laughs> All right, Will. <laughs> Will, you're the best. <laughs> but it's really, yeah, I think that's common. But yeah, I, I also read something that was like, this is a while ago, and again, I'm paraphrasing, so I'm not doing it justice, <laughs> but it was saying how, like, in the kind of fight for rights, the, the gay rights movement has moved so much quicker than the civil rights movement because mm. of like predominantly white cis gay men's ability to assimilate within a heteronormative society. Yeah. And so like, and that's why trans rights are moving so much more slowly. Um, and, and now we're kind of seeing this kind of like backwards movement as well, because it was, I don't, I don't know, like almost mm. shoehorned in. Mm. Um, but yeah. yeah, it is. Assimilation is a really strange concept, isn't mm. it? Especially for a world that, as you say, is so like globally kind of connected and mm. yet we just don't seem to have a great ability to connect. There's this amazing podcast called um, Conversations with People That Hate Me that kind of does exactly that. <laughs> That's a good name for a podcast. Yeah. It's, right. it's just amazing. And it brings two people from like two different sides of an argument online to kind of just talk it out. Um, and like at the end of every episode, I haven't listened to them all, but like all the ones I've listened to, they, they've kind of been like, oh, that, that's what you meant when you said that. And I was like, oh, because I reacted to it like, because this is where I was coming from. And they, they reach a mutual understanding, mm. but we're not given yeah. that space yeah. and that option yeah. online. So yeah, we're almost just ready for the fight constantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's why we also feel like we do need to stay in in kind of up to date with the news because yeah. something's going to happen. Yeah. And you have to be on top. And you have to have an opinion about yeah. it, and you have to know how you want to express that opinion. You have to know everything around it because otherwise your opinion might not be fully formed, and someone might call you out on this. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's a breeding ground of stupidity. <laughs> it's like trying to grab water in your hand. You know. What yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know. Yeah. And- that's the, the, I think that's the, you're getting down to a metaphysical way of putting it. The mm. world is relational, but I think a lot of this stuff we're talking about tries to enforce the notion that there are things, that there are solid pillars in reality. Mm-hmm. There aren't, you know, there be like, it's that, it's like trying to grab some air and put it in a box you know yeah it's like the, the the world and opinions and zeitgeist and everything is constantly undulating and shifting and changing and it's the way it's always been and always shall be that to to kind of you know like i i love reading books by alan watts and stuff where he talks about you know the world is only beautiful in the in the process of vanishing you know mm. and to to staunchly stitch yourself to a concept go that's me that is is just it's 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 nonsensical when you you look at the true nature of reality you know Mm. and this is interesting about the russian revolution because the russian revolution was an argument at at it at its core about the nature of reality and what how that affects how we live our lives you know how we identify with things and how we you know and ultimately you know, the, 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 the argument came down between Lenin and Alexander Bogdanov about whether or not there is anything outside of a human mind fixed as opposed, or 
there is an essential reality outside of the human mind or hive mind, whatever way you want to put it. And the two, the two, you know, had a feud, <laughs> you know, as, as much as it was possible to have over that and how that affects how we arrange how human beings live, you know. And I think we live in a very thing-based reality, mm-hmm. very material, very materialistic. And that sort of creates a kind of a, uh, a strange hypnosis, a strange cognitive dissonance in people. Like even last night, like this is an example of what I mean. I was doing a bit of yoga. I was trying to do a bit of yoga because there's a bit of a tweak in my lower right back. And I was uh, trying to stretch my IT band. And then the, the lady on YouTube, Cassandra, yoga with Cassandra, right? She said, just be aware of what's coming up in your mind and you know i like my meditation then in my meditation i'm become aware of co- what's coming up in my mind but there's a lot of the day you know where you, you you are asleep in a sense when things are coming up things that are like oh tomorrow the, the, the house in ireland you know it's just sort of happening you know yeah. and it's creating a physiological chemical situation in the body and uh it's essentially that that temporary thing that human beings do where we sort of fall into a sleep of materialism going, oh, we need to, and the, the materialism then manifests itself as the future or the past, you know, that, that ultimately we, we have this kind of critical survival sense that we are, we, this thing must happen in the future. And that thing is fixed, you know, and it's like, Nothing is fixed. We <laughs> we were born two seconds ago and we're going to die in two seconds time. You know, mm. and really, the older you get, the more clearly I, the older I get, the more clearly I see that. Mm. We just not care less about things, but care more about the things I care about and yeah. care less about the things that I'm supposed to care about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. You know, these jackets that I'm supposed to put on. Oh, you're supposed to care about this. It ain't no thing. It's just it's just a rolling thing. And you might as well try to understand the true nature of it mm. or get caught up in every fucking hype and <laughs> scandal and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, yeah. live your life that way more stressfully, in my opinion. Do you think that, that one reason that you're maybe drawn to acting is because you get to explore that kind of human connection in different ways through different characters and stuff i wonder if that's part of it yeah definitely like in this film at the moment i'm playing the bad guy you know i'm the i'm the evil guy i'm the guy cutting down all the trees molly i'm like the the (laughs) deforestation dude right i'm like the kind of bolsonaro asshole of this fantasy world right (laughs) and uh you know, I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, just, I suppose, in the same sentiment of the conversations with people who hate me, it'd be interesting to try to play someone who, uh, who's, who's doing this stuff for their own gain and for, as a, uh, on account of their own personal experience. And so, you know, it's nice to research a character and come up with someone who, who does that for reasons that you can see are somewhat justified in a yeah. twisted way, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's always those, you know, people who do morally dubious things, but with a point, I think, are are the most compelling to watch. Yeah. 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 Like every Marvel movie now, it's like the good guy, good. <laughs> bad guy, bad. Like there's no, like he's, you're not going to. There's you know, no nuance. No, there's no, no nuance. Yeah. You know, mm. and it's, it's, that's, that's what it is. I suppose it's the battle of good and evil. Mm. 
gold through Hinduism or Marvel Studios, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the same story over and over, but it's, you know, yeah, entertaining. Should we do our I Yeah, summary? I want to get back to that pub. I so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I forgot about the pub. No, but everything, I'm like, I feel like we could just talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> same, yeah. yeah. But so, but we we do have to go back to the pub. Back to the pub. We're back in the pub. Back in the pub. <laughs> so we're basically in the pub. Well, this, this is the pub. This is what we're going to be doing in the pub. Yeah, but we, we probably have a beer and we. But this is like a live action episode. We've been acting <laughs> out Rob's final forty five. By this point, though, <laughs> after the conversation, we I'd be like, "Great, Meteor, come actually, can you come in thirty minutes?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah. Like, Fucking world end. First episode where you're begging the meteor to hurry up. <laughs> At least someone on yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah. Sure. We're definitely in the pub, all right, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> like um, but at the end of every podcast, we ask the guests to kind of summarize their last 45 minutes in 30 seconds. <sighs> So we'll, we'll get out the tech if you get thinking. <laughs> right, um, you, you're going to put me on a timer? I'm going to put you on a timer. timer. We'll show it to you so you can see it. Yeah. I'm going to cheat a little bit, but I promise it, it'll be justified. Okay. Okay. Hey. I'm intrigued. <laughs> we'll be the judge of that by the end. <laughs> <laughs> right, go on then. Let's okay. Okay. So this is Rob's last 45 minutes on Earth in 30 seconds. Go. Be drunk by Charles Baudelaire. You have to be always drunk. That's all there is to it. It's the only way. So as not to feel the horrible burden of time that breaks your back and bends you to the earth. You have to be continually drunk. But on what? Wine, poetry or virtue, as you wish. But be drunk. And if sometimes on the steps of a palace or the green grass of a ditch, in the mournful solitude of your room, you wake again, drunkenness already diminishing or gone, ask the wind, the wave, the star, the bird, the clock, everything that's flying, everything that's groaning, everything that's rolling, everything that's singing, I've gone past my timer, everything that's speaking, ask what time it is, and wind, wave, star, bird, clock will answer you. It is time to be drunk. So as not to be the martyred slaves of time, be drunk, be continually drunk on wine, on poetry, or on virtue, as you wish. Way. Wow! I love oh that. I might get a tattoo now that just says "be drunk." <laughs> I thought you meant the whole poem was like, that. Really yeah. yeah, yeah. Big pint glass up here. <laughs> Oh well, you could not have left us on a better note. I know that was that was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. Thanks for having us on. Thank you so much for coming on. Loved it. Loved the song, the poetry, the philosophy. Uh, yeah, we had everything. We had everything. <laughs> That's all encapsulated in the pub. Pub. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what a chat that was. What a chat, what a ride, what a journey. Um, and we're out the other end. And all I can think about is that lovely pub in Ireland. I want to be there. Yeah. yeah, I really, I really felt that 
community vibe coming through and what Rob was saying. Mm. Yeah. Much better than um, those pubs we used to hang out in in Leeds. (laughs) (laughs) Could you even call them pubs? They were like empty warehouse rooms and sticky floors. They absolutely stank. Could we even call it hanging out? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, not, not the same community vibes for sure. No, but I think it is different when you're a student anyway. Mm. and the kind of places that you go whereas I could like what Rob was talking about that sort of real family inclusive um sort of yes yeah I don't know local space that he was in growing up to sound amazing yeah and like yeah I guess like people from from everywhere across the the like local community right not just students yeah yeah and so one thing that did strike me so I was really interested in what he was saying about um what he called the London Assembly. Mm. It struck me for two reasons. One, because um, the London Assembly, it turns out, is the mayor's office, which is, which is what I thought at the time, but I was really confused. But anyway, it's okay because I Googled it, mm. and it's actually called the Sunday Assembly. Um, and so the second thing that struck me about that is how great it sounds. <laughs> and Sadiq won't be there. No, Sadiq famously won't be at the <laughs> Sunday Assembly. Um, so I think we should try it one time. 100%. We've got to find you a community. Yeah, this poor London girl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of community... And speaking of poor London girl... (laughs) You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram at ifthewordwasending underscore podcast. Correct. And email Molly. Ifthewordwasendingpodcast at gmail.com And you can like, follow subscribe tell your friends tell your family tell your community tell your communities tell your pub (laughs) your local pub (laughs) and on that note we'll see you next time see you next time Please.